Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon TCG discussion and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Sinitsu. This week, we will be discussing Digimon news updates and the release of BT11. Listen to us on your favorite podcasting networks. Link in the description below or find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. On top of that, we also stream this over on twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, and it's also uploaded as a YouTube video under the YouTube channel of Zenitsu. For our viewer question of the week, this week's question is, should Digimon have larger main sets? Uh, I... It, this this is kind of a mixed bag question for me personally, because we've seen Digimon with bigger sets in Special Booster 1.0 and 1.5, and uh, scarcity of those products aside, it definitely, based on the ratios that they're trying to give us, um, it's definitely harder, which might be a good thing, and it might be a bad thing. Uh, I definitely think that, if anything, uh, EX boosters are too small, so if they make main boosters larger, I definitely think EX boosters should kind of be as large as where our normal boosters are uh just because these small sets uh it's too easy to pull everything but the secret rare and it it's just not fun or enjoyable of a product to open in my perspective yeah that's that's a fair point it's hard to try and compare products like that because they're kind of only what they are. Digimon hasn't really experimented too much outside of the introduction of the EX sets, however long ago, which they haven't really played with the formula too much since their inception, I guess, except outside of EX1. But um, I'm of the opinion, I think we mentioned it last time, or I mentioned it last time, that Digimon sets should be larger, um, mostly to at least encourage people to buy and open product more. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of the fun or the mystery of opening packs has been removed by most, you know, adult-ish lovers of the card game because we don't operate. Like, I remember when I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was a kid and I would go to my card store and I would play on, like, a Saturday afternoon and... I would get, you know, enough money to basically buy maybe a pack or two. And that was how I enjoyed the card game. And for those that still enjoy the card game that way, then Digimon's fine. Because, I mean, I guess in some ways, but then, because, you know, you hit a super rare and you're like, wow, this is a super rare card and it's $3. And, or you hit a secret rare, which, I mean, good luck, you know, congratulations. But even depending on if it's the good secret rare, depending on the set, you know, maybe it's $60, maybe it's $30. But the the point I'm trying to make is that they're, they're, the sealed product is a little too easy to predict and almost not fun. There's I don't get a lot of joy necessarily in opening a sealed product. It's pretty methodical at this point. It's, I lay my stacks out, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven supers, two alt arts, and I can actually throw the rest of the packs away because... I've gotten what I've gotten out of them. There's no RNG. It's, And I think that's something that Digimon could maybe do with a larger set, 
is remove some of that standardness of sealed product. I mean, maybe I'm alone here. Maybe people really like the fact that they get exactly what they think they're going to get out of a sealed product. But I have it pulled up here as a comparison just because it's the thing that I remember and it's really bringing back the trading in trading card game. But there's no reason for, even if you're someone like Zenitsu who you're buying a case of a sealed product to have a full playset, like a master set of the entire outside of alt arts right but alt arts we don't really you know talk about as far as owning full master set of things but you have full a maximum legal playable copies of every card in the set from buying 12 boxes you know preferably in a case format though not necessarily and um magic they have their equivalent of the secret rare is the mythic rare i mean i guess you know they had it first so digimon copied them but uh, from their most recent set release, they have 20, which would be the equivalent of secret rares. And you get, I think, up between two or four a box. That is my memory. I don't know if I ever got four, but I've definitely gotten three and I've definitely gotten two. Um, and so there's some swing there. It's not one or the other. It's, okay, I've gotten three mythic rares. Let me throw the the box out. Like... There could be a fourth. I don't know. Still, I'm trying to remember here. But also, 20 Mythic Rares, you're not even getting one of every every one of them, even if you buy 12 boxes, right? Yeah, even <laughs> with uh, the Magic comparison, they have a butt-ton of Rares, and even in, in their, like, if you open up a full case for their game, you're still not going to see a full playset of all of the Rares. You'd be lucky to see one of each of the Rares. Exactly. And like that brings out the trading and trading card game. And now, does that make acquiring cards that you want many copies of annoying? Yes. But it encourages more of a community aspect. I've honestly, at this point, it's annoying to me when I do have to reach out to people for certain things because, for the most part, either they're very expensive. And then it's annoying that I have to, like, hey, you know, here's, like, $30 for an Examon. Or, you know, I got to shell out $120 for a playset of Examon. Or I go ahead and, you know, maybe I'm someone who's picking up the game later. And, man, I really want to play this new hotness everyone's talking about, Blackboard Greymon. So I go... And I don't even know. I haven't looked recently, but if it's changed, um, the 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 BTA Blackwork Raymon at one point was like three dollars. And if I ask somebody for that, it's not even almost worth slotting into a trade binder at a three dollar card. Yeah, the SRs uh, usually are pretty low, except for like the hot one or two, uh, which actually doesn't happen depending on the set, just because if the secret is good. Uh, that means there's going to be more chase for the secrets, which means more packs are going to get open, and then the supers are going to get absolutely crushed. And then, uh, yeah, then, like you said, sometimes those supers aren't even worth putting into your trade binder because they're just that worthless. Um, I definitely think, like, maybe they have been playing around a little bit with uh, just the change on the approach on how they do boxes because, like, we saw 1.0 was like almost 180 cards in that set. 
Um, there was 20 supers, and the supers were actually really hard to get. Uh, they still had the two secrets. Uh, or no, they had they had three secrets, my bad, uh, in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some variance on the secrets as well. Um, and then on top of that, in 1.5, the set was reduced to about 150-ish cards, still keeping the three secrets, and they uh, made... The super rares, only 10 of them, uh, or 11, and it was still really easy to pull those cards, and they weren't worth a whole lot, but the rares were actually pretty hard to pull in that set just because of the the slight change in how things were getting pulled and how things were packaged and all that jazz. BT4 was another small change. That's when things basically got to almost this normalization point that we had now. Not to give, like, a full timeline, but just giving an example of, like, they do do these small tweaks to sets. And I do think that like maybe changing how packs work, if they're going to be keeping this BT 11 approach, at least for the, the foil commons and foil uncommons, that might be something to examine or like what we were thinking, maybe just a slightly bigger set having instead of like 10 supers, maybe have like, 13 or 15 and then keep the three secrets so there's more variance on the secrets um so there's there's some small things that they could do to try to encourage that and like i don't think sets need to be as small as ex sets i think those are like borderline disgusting i've came from other card games where they do do those small sets and those if anything, annoyed the crap out of me because some places will price those as normal boosters when they're not normal boosters. Like, I'm I'm physically getting less amount of variance in cards and still paying the same amount just because the card quantities are the same. And I'm just like, that that shouldn't... No, one, one has nothing to do with the other because the financial value of those cards is going to... Like, the EV is going to be way less because there's less variance, because the set is smaller. So maybe that'll increase the Digimon market to make things more expensive, depending on their approach. And that might be a good thing, or that might be a bad thing, depending on who you ask and the type of player that you are. Yeah. Oh, it, interesting that you mentioned that, because um, I'd, I played uh, Vanguard so minimally, but when Vanguard rebooted last year, I want to say, was that last year? Um, I went ahead with my friends and we were going to like throw together some vanguard decks because i'd never played it and they were remember it fondly from back before they broke it and had to reboot it and so when they had the new booster for vanguard come out my lgs had them at like 35 dollars and i was like oh my god this game's ridiculous like this is so cool i, I can buy a booster box for 35 dollars like hell yeah and i bought like three and then I opened it, and I was what is all this empty space? It was like a third of the packs that I thought there was going to be in a booster box. And I was like, I guess that makes sense why it's a third of the price. And, like, with the way EX sets are designed, there's, like, right now in normal boosters, we get about 100. I'm just going to round up. I know I know the exact number. It's 112, but for rounding's sake, I'm going to say 115. Uh, there's about 112 to 115 unique cards in a normal bt set in an ex set we get like 75 the the real number is like 72 or 73 depending on the set but like we get like 75 that's a fourth less of the cards a little more than a fourth less of the the amount of different cards 
which means you're just going to see the same chaff over and over and over again when you're starting to pull packs, and that's going to make the cards basically worthless. And uh, I'm coming from Buddy Fight, where they had something similar, where they had like their big main sets, and then they had the subsets, and the subsets, they were priced uh, basically like main sets when they were smaller. Uh, an even worse example, which actually almost led to the downfall of the game the first time, it is a, a zombie of a game, it's Force of Will. They had, um, this was in the beginning of the game cycle, they had like sets that was like 150 cards, and then they had a set that was like 50 cards. And booster box-wise, same card, like same packs per box, um, and same amount of cards per pack. And it was sold at a normal price, even though there was significantly less cards. And that almost killed the game right then and there. So depending on the pull rate size uh, like that they're trying to go for and the size of the set, uh, that definitely could have a huge impact on the health of the game and its secondary market. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. I mean... I'm trying to think. I don't want the cards to be more expensive because like it makes the game less accessible, but I also want there to be some value behind the cards because we're still paying what we're paying for sealed product and for most people, I mean, there, there there's no financial reason to open them anymore. I guess maybe there was like 1.0, 1.5 card games were super hot. Digimon was brand new, but I think that for someone to open a pack and get SRs and then, or at least open a box and one or two of the cards be 50 to 60% of the total box's value is a little ridiculous. And when those cards don't have to be super expensive, but still just kind of spread out the wealth, maybe cut down on the number of SRs per set, increase the, the average value. And I think... What you also get is the disparity between the good SRs and the bad SRs. And, I mean, even something like BT-8, Black War Greymon's back up to $10. There are a lot of bad SRs in that set. Usually, mathematically speaking, less than a third of the cards are going to be playable out of any given booster set. So, that just... That comes with the territory from a more competitive aspect is there's only a small handful of these cards that are actually going to see any kind of competitive play, which is why like alternate formats is kind of nice because it lets the game have room to breathe. But I'm not a huge fan of Digimon Sealed, even though I'm surprisingly good at it. Uh, most of the time I come first or second in a lot of my pre-releases, not to like brag or anything, but like it's because I spend so much time researching these sets, researching the card synergies, uh, and that just allows me to be able to uh, look at these cards at a different angle. But from a more competitive perspective, I am i don't even give these cards two seconds of my time when I'm thinking about building a deck. I'm like, oh, I could use uh, this Ogremon. Nope, not even, not even going to think about that. Even though in something like Sealed, it's like, oh, this Ogremon being a level 4 that has 7k DP is actually pretty good. It's like, how how we play changes the usability of the cards, and right now for the competitive environment, most cards just don't get used. Uh, which is why... Based. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily because if it's Ogremon Tribal was good, 
you would play the level four Ogremon with seven thousand DP because it says Ogremon. Well, I mean, depending on how they support cards, not necessarily inside of archetypes, just how cards play with each other, like they're just supposed synergies, that could take something as old as Kentarosmon from uh special booster one point five and make him more playable. Uh, as we've seen with some of the spoilers in the uh, Japanese set that's focused around Royal Knights BT-13, which is coming out in mm-hmm. the summer for us. Um, but transitioning into one of the main topics, uh, we actually did get some information in terms of the reboot booster. Um, so the reboot booster, uh, RB for short, uh, Rising Winds, actually did get changed for us. It was originally announced it was going to be 36 cards, which is insane for a set. I don't think booster boxes are exactly what we think. I thought I think that the booster boxes based on the product description was going to be like the premium box set where it's like, "Oh, here's a small little box, four packs in the box, and the set size is very small." I hate those types of products. I hate it when they do small set size, but I also like the fact that it is just all of the new cards. So we don't have to try to dig our way through chaff to be able to get those new cards. But the chaff that was removed was reprints. So the community put up a stink in this. This is 100% in the community's rights because we wanted some of those reprints and some of those reprints are actually pretty good. Uh, I've seen back and forth arguments where it's just like, oh yeah, the majority of these reprints are actually chaffing of themselves because everything is like from sets uh, one through set five in Japan. So it's not like most of those cards are even playable, but some of them still are and hold some decent value. But the fact that we wanted it just for the accessibility on just making some of those cards easier to get and because the set was more focused on the greatest hits of sets one through five, really condensed some of the reprints to actually be pretty good. And the fact that we didn't get that obviously was pretty disappointing. So Bandai decided to release an announcement to basically reassess and delay uh, Rising Winds as a result, which I think is pretty good. Uh, we don't know, again, if they were going to do a separate product for the reprints, I think they were. I don't necessarily know if it was going to be in the adventure box, uh, as they called it. Uh, they obviously still have plans, and they didn't announce those plans. But based on community reaction and feedback, it was early enough in the development of printing that set to basically put it on hold and reassess and reevaluate. Because what we don't realize is how the printing process works and how long it takes for things to actually happen so i i definitely think it is good on bandai that they listened to the fans and to the community and decided to change it even though i'm not super happy about it personally uh just because i just wanted the new cards and now i'm gonna have to dig through uh old cards that for the most part i don't necessarily need and aren't going to be played in order to get those but we don't know how it's going to change for the u.s audience we just now know that they're going to actually put the reprints in yeah that's uh i think it was really good that they they walked that back they they saw that people really wanted the reprints and they really wanted the ability to because i think what it really means more so is less of the actual reprints like by the time 
that this product comes out by the time that now that we know it's coming out i don't think there will be any like chase reprints even the ones that still kind of are holding a higher value like star trek Greymon was just included in the bt11 uh pre-releases pre-release and it was also a box topper from the last starter that got blown up into box toppers and they really are on top of making sure there aren't older cards that are just unnecessarily expensive and i think you know what's going to win like financially because of this reprint set what it really will do is that the cards that could have like all justification to just go to the moon like oh uh you know magna angemon was you know at one point like 30 40 dollars and it's not getting reprinted in english like back to the moon you know if you want this card you have to have the like the 1.0 version of it no reprints and out since um well there was a bandai premium product where you literally could just buy it but that's a bandai premium product and that doesn't yeah those don't count yeah like I mean, would you consider secret layers reprints for Magic? I hate secret layers, and I'm starting to dislike the Bandai Premium stuff unless it's like really it's basically enticing. Basically, secret me. layers with extra steps. It is, and like and some you have people to wait like, like six months. I mean, maybe I've, I, I've never actually gotten a secret layer. I'm pretty sure that you have to wait a long time for those too. But uh, yeah, it took like two a year or a year and a half to get some of those secret layers out. Uh, Bandai at least tells us when they're going to do it. But I just, I don't like the fact that I'm buying, like, a playmat, and then I have to wait six months for the playmat and the promos, and then by the time I wanted the product, it's like, oh, I actually kind of just don't need this now. It's not not the same mm-hmm. idea I had six months ago. Yeah. Um. Before we get too far away from it, something I, I remembered that I wanted to say was that I think there's still space for a non-main set product that isn't the EX sets, and it's something that maybe, like, doesn't exist in Digimon yet, but could exist in Digimon, is like, those premium products. Um, we really don't have as much the room for it because we don't have the backlog that Magic has, but the sets that have been super successful for Magic in the past, like Modern Masters, um, Ultimate Masters, commander sets stuff like that where they're targeting maybe there's some new cards some old cards and but it's not like a reprint set but it is a reprint set but what they do is they they take the opportunity to introduce new alt arts new you know foil treatments of older cards while so reprinting them but not necessarily reprinting the lowest level of them which also is, I think, something that needs to happen, that, you know, I think they should maybe reprint, like, almost, I mean, just for the sake of their own card quality control, non-foil versions of every card. But, um, you know, if you want to run a fully foil-less deck as opposed to a completely foiled deck, that should be something that you could do. And then if you also want to run the, you know, gold foil leaf, you know, Champions Edition Magna Angemon, you can do that too. I I think that's where the reboot set was supposed to be in everyone's heads before it got announced. And like, 
the poll rates on Japan weren't necessarily super kind to them, which is what made me worried. But uh, the fact that it is getting changed for us yet again might quell some of that worry. But I do agree that they should treat that type of a product to be more special and be more enticing, even if you do own some of those cards. Like, it gives you a reason to re-own them, either to foil or defoil, depending on your personal tastes. I also think those the reboot sets are also a good opportunity to be able to fix errated cards. Like, that, that's a mm-hmm. good opportunity to fix the errated cards uh, that needed some text change. We saw that with uh, the premium little box that combined like it had two packs of 1.0 and two packs of 1.5 and it was like 20 bucks and they put the the fixed version of those cards in those packs so that almost made it a superior product when you found the correct text on those cards um i'm not i do think i like the idea of doing the greatest hits of set zero or block zero which is sets one through five and kind of like incrementally doing that each year so like next year if they do that type of a product it'll be the greatest hits from block one and then the year after that will be the greatest hits from block two and kind of just keep up that type of a pace where it's like if you don't want the product you don't need to buy it but if you do kind of want it and you're new to the game that is like the perfect product to buy so it it's definitely really interesting on what they could potentially do with it um and I think the community's outcry was definitely well justified, and I think Bandai's solution to it uh, on pen and paper is definitely a good step in the right direction. But I do also think community outcries could also work as like a double-edged sword and a monkey's paw situation, where some people really like the reprints, some people really hate the reprints. Uh, you're you're I never mean, going even... to appease everyone. And that kind of leads us into where we are with BT-11 and the abysmal pull rates of BT-11, which is kind of interesting because we were just saying cards should be harder to get. You should be incentivized to buy more boxes. But I don't necessarily think that the approach they took with BT-11 is the correct approach. Well, I mean, the respond to what you just said first. Um, oh, you're good. The um, There's a difference between like I want to be able to open five boxes and have a full playset of everything, and I want there to be more like variance in my boxes because the low pull rates are annoying when it also equates with low value. It's like okay, I opened four boxes of BT11 and I got two copies of Hades Force. It doesn't. It's not going to make Hades Force an expensive card. It just means I have to now go on TCG Player, and buy a $2 card for $4 shipping. It like, inadvertently could make the cards more expensive just because I mean, cool now the got demand... to, like, what, 4 or $5, and that was in everything. Every deck ran, like, three to four copies of Cool Boy for a solid two, two and a half sets. No other card is going to hit that level of general playability. You have, uh, going back to, like, the larger set size with uh, Special Booster 1.5, that had Davis, that had Lady Devimon from BT3, that had BT3 Jamming Vmon. Those were very expensive rares. 
Uh, and they're yeah. still pretty expensive rares. Those so, are expensive rares in a time frame where you ran Vmon in every deck that was blue. Back in the time frame where you ran Lady Devi in every deck that was purple. That was, you know, you're only running Hades Force in Greymon decks, which maybe is most of them still, but... I mean, Greymon's got a lot of... He's going to be getting a lot of different variants. The point is, is that you're not running Vmon in... You know, you're not running uh, Hades Force in non Greymon decks, which is, you know, there's only so many Greymons, even though there are a good number of them. It's not not as many as there are, like, decks of it just a color. Um, I mean, when... Or Davis was the only memory tamer that was playable at the time. It, it all comes down to supply and demand. Whether it's played in one deck versus 20 is to be determined, but if it's harder to attain an individual card, it still is theoretically going to make the card have a slightly higher price tag. Uh, cool Boy, back to your example, is now still a highly played card, and because the set isn't necessarily being printed as much, uh, it technically is already out of print, but you could still go and buy boxes of BT9. Uh, cool Boy's already jumped up to 7, and uh, depending on how hard the rare is to get and how playable it is, still could mean that they could have a higher price tag. And it's not even just the rares in BT11 that are harder to get. It's also the supers, just because the supers also decreased. So if anyone's unfamiliar with how BT11 is being opened, right now you get six SRs, if I recall, and then you get four campaign rares, which are basically just alt art reprints. And then they decided to make all of the commons and uncommons foil as well except that's going to take up a rare slot because the rares are also foil i don't know if that's like a printing thing based on how print like how sheets are printed for cards but uh it's definitely a lot harder to get a lot of these like middle high rarity cards i think secrets probably are untouched i again don't have case ratio information to confirm or deny that and then, obviously, commons are now overbloated now that you're seeing commons also in foil that are taking up that rare slot. So it's just making rares and supers a lot harder to get. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the point I was going to make before was um, the... Uh, I think there's also... The RB1, as a reprint sent, as a greatest hits or whatever as also including new cards is i think um a perfect idea of what i imagined like the digimon core sets would be anyone familiar magic the gathering does core sets every year after rotation usually in the summer which i think is when rb will fall and um well it got delayed so it would have fallen there would have been in the summer point being is they Basically, there's usually some amount of staples of cards that are always included in Magic. And I say, like, not always. And a lot of them are pretty bad. They're like, they're draft chaff. But there's at least a purpose for them because Magic is meant to be drafted as opposed to Digimon, who's the cards that are bad are just meant to be thrown away or used for, like, betting for your hamster cage. Um, And... But what they also do is because... There are they are constantly reprinting these certain cards like I don't know, 
um, like duress. Duress is a card that's been reprinted a bunch of times. And cancel. What that also a cancel. <laughs> that's that's the um, card I always dread. Cancel because it's a counter spell. Um. Yeah. Like it's not a super efficient one, but it is one. And um, what. But what you also do with that as you're reprinting these cards over and over and over again is, and it I promise you, it it for anyone that's never played a card game like this, it sounds confusing. It really isn't. It just, you know, reading the card, it explains the card. Um, and Magic, they take naming convection significantly more seriously, so you don't have the problem of I cast Agumon, and they're like, okay, what does that mean? That could mean a hundred different things. But what they do have is... Um, different iterations of the same printing so you could have you know cancel from core set 2014 and cancel from core set 2015 and cancel from return to ravnica and they all have the same text they all have the same mana cost they all have but they all have different um portraits different actual pictures on the card so man i really liked the the art for the 2014 cancel that's the one that i most maybe that's when i started the game and i really like it and but they do that with a lot of different cards as they're reprinted like i mean most notably like basic lands basic lands anyone can play and, and most lgs's have a box of them that they actively hand out to people because people donate basic lands because nobody needs them but everyone that's starting the game doesn't have this uh surplus of basic lands so they give them out, and but then some people are like, "Oh man, I want to make sure every single basic land in my deck is a different art, or I want to have only this particular art of basic land." And some of them are super expensive. They have like the planetary foil lands from the newest unset. They're just basic lands. You could you could get a hundred of them for like a nickel, but you could also pay five dollars for one of them if you want this super special version of it. And that would be the perfect opportunity to reprint with new art these cards. You know, have, like we already have uh, different editions of certain things like uh, tournament promos and whatnot, but truly having, you know, so we have the original, like the unfoiled TK Takashi yellow tamer that everyone is kind of forced to use. And there's the box topper version of it. And then well, now there would be the RB1 version of it that would be a new art, maybe also foiled, because all rares should be foil moving forward, because that, that was a transition made later in the game. It's it's the perfect opportunity for that, that I think they're also missing the mark on. I think it's it's the way that Bandai generally operates. They like to separate those types of designs and put them in the tournament packs. So... The newest tournament pack, as an example, has Jamming Vemon as one of the, the primary cards. It's all reprints. Not a single card of these uh, tournament packs are new. And it's it's used as an incentivization tool to get people to play in stores. And instead of, like, they could easily do exactly what you said and then just throw the thing into the booster box, make it harder to get, and it's more special when you do get it, yes, but... They just I wouldn't want... even say it's making it harder to get. It's make it easier to get. If anything, it's harder to get a pre-release promo. Well, because... it depends on what slot it's taking up. Because like we see with BT11, the campaign rares are exactly what you just described. 
alternate art cards that are reprinted. These are the first time but these cards have been... they're replacing other cards. These would be included in the, the number, right? Uh, this would be part of the 118 or whatever, 112. It would include, you know, number 105 would be BT1 TK Takashi. I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong because they they've done that with the reboot booster. There were a couple of there was a small handful of cards that said this card is treated as uh promo Agumon 07 or something. So like they they could take that approach, but I think based on the flavor of the sets, they just don't want to do it. They just don't it's like okay yeah, there's you could, a lot of things they don't want to do yeah i mean they could easily just say all right instead of having a, the yellow tamer that makes logical sense for the uh what's going on with the set the theme of the set instead it's just going to be tk just because it's tk like they they don't want to do that and they would rather say okay we have this nice alt art version of tk let's just put them in the next tournament pack so it it's it's a incentivization versus accessibility versus some other factors that are just all compounding well, on each other. I think that's the difference there. It, it, like all iterations of new arts for Digimon has been exclusively alternate arts. These are not that. I mean, they are in theory because there's only one art. As soon as there becomes two arts, one is the alternate. But there is no alternate art for cancel. I mean, like you can look up have the i'll have that prepared but i think it's um, just how they think of their own game like there's yeah what one two three four because they don't six seven. they want there the are at least 10 different special. printings of cancel you know the core set 2021 is a lady with like a blue shield around her and the core 2019 is the same thing the exelon is a guy on a boat that's pretty thematic Amonkhet is also the circle. So that's probably like the the generic. I mean, like, but magic, magic is a completely different beast on how they approach their not only just card design, but set design as well. Digimon's not trying to do what magic is trying to do is kind of where I'm getting at. And you're not necessarily wrong for thinking that they could do this type of stuff, which they easily could. And they have done. It's just the frequency in which they do it. I don't, I do think it deserves to be in a special product, but I don't necessarily think that they are doing it just based on the setup structure of how the game is. Kind of similar to why I don't think that they're going to ever do rotation, even though a lot of people, for some reason, want it. I don't think rotation would help the game at all. But uh, I'm further that's away from that thing. stance at this point, only because they are there. There is a rotation. There just won't be. They'll never announce one. They'll never implement one. There's a rotation of your cards every time a new new set comes out which it's, is way faster than rotation. magic rotates it's a soft rotation because if you try and play a deck that was meta for two sets in the past in any sort of competitive sense you get rolled over and that is a rotation even if you don't want to say it is i mean that's why i said it was a soft rotation but like i don't know bt11 is just an interesting beast and I, the funny thing is people asked for the commons and uncommons to be foiled. And again, this goes to the monkey's paw situation where it's just like, okay, mm -hmm. they asked, we asked for it. Bandai listened and now we don't like it. So 
like it kind of almost hurts the relationship between us and Bandai if enough of that goes on because it's just like okay what are they going to ask for this time what are we going to give them and then they're just going to be upset so it's like what's the point on us appeasing them when they're just not going to like it at the end of the day and it's not like we don't like it it's just I feel like they don't necessarily experiment enough with it because they easily could have to subsidize it made a unfoiled the box topper or something yeah that there's no i don't think there is a box topper to this uh the That's art standard. packs the art packs are on the side of the box kind of like how um dash packs were they're not inside Ooh. it e- yeah so the art competition winner packs they're supposed to be coming out with bt11 those are on the side they're not inside of the booster boxes but you are supposed to get one with each booster box that you get Ooh, supposed to i know <laughs> but um, a lot of people suggested, okay, if you could easily turn every single card into a foil, you could turn every single card into an unfoil. You could change how packs are distributed so that way we're guaranteed at least one unfoil rare so that way we don't lose a rare slot and that could eat up a common slot just because commons are easily the most... Like, they're, they're commons for a reason. So they're, they could have adjusted the booster box to make it more friendly for the change but for whatever reason they didn't i'm there's a whole mess behind printing logistics that i'm i only know very very mild surface level of but i mean no well i think i mean this is an old argument i'm pretty sure i've rehashed this once before but as far as blizz or bandai is concerned um the uh a card is a card whether it's foil or non-foil sometimes affects things but you know they they send in a printing order they receive they 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 supply art they get they get cards printed it costs them the same amount of money to print a you know uh common agumon as it does for them to print a secret rare omnimon uh actually and... uh foil printing is its own beast and they are more expensive which but is why companies usually don't like. They don't have to be. That's the point. No, they, they don't have to make all the secret rares foil. And oh, that's that's is, where you're getting. Is, at. Okay. They don't. They don't. They don't recognize cost of card versus cost of printing. So, you know, and, and this is an argument taken back when, you know, there was it was for Ultimate Masters and Magic when there was this big problem when to sell Ultimate Masters because the last Master sets had all kind of failed and like, you know. Magic had just started to lose their faith in their customer base, or Wizards was. They instituted a buy a box promo outside a box again, which nobody likes, for Ultimate Masters, which included a Jace the Mind Sculptor. At the time, a very expensive card with minimal printings, but still had a couple printings that was hovering around $300. And that card, so basically all the products sold out immediately. Many people got confirmation emails that they had bought product that they then never had allocated to them and there was a whole mess of people thought they had product and they didn't or people you know sometimes had more product than they wanted and were overcharged and it was a big mess but the point is is that all the outrage was because of people really didn't necessarily want the box of ultimate masters the ultimate masters was whatever but how many times could you buy a booster box for i think 350 dollars and get a card before you even open the booster box, the card you receive on top 
in a little individual pack is worth the price of the booster box. You could just turn around and sell it and make your money back. And that's really what, um, before the price of that card came down, that's what, that's what was possible. And people were freaking out, and they're like, you know, I had two boxes in my cart, and it, I got a confirmation email, and then you sent me a, a thing saying, oh, I was accidentally sent a confirmation email, and that my confirmation email doesn't mean anything. And they could quell all of those concerns by just sending people a basic land, because it costs the company the same amount of money to print a Jace the Mind Sculptor as it does a basic land. So they could just print Jace the Mind Sculptors out the ass and solve this problem. But so like this whole BT11 debacle with the, the campaign rares is they could just add them in addition to without replacing anything. And they just choose not to. That, that, is, a, that is an active choice. Yes and no. They chose to have them be a foil printing, which in their perspective, price-wise, takes up the foil sheet, which, again, goes into... Add more foil sheets. That costs them more than a base rare sheet, which is why I think, like, the idea of just printing rares in unfoil wouldn't have been that bad of an idea, and then we just lose a common, and then everything else is the same, and I think a lot of people would probably be okay with that where it's just like you get uh what is it four rares then you'd get your two uncommons then you'd get one unfoiled rare then you'd get your foil common four uncommon rare. swat what are you talking about i i'm just four. i'm i'm just throwing out numbers like based on you seeding of pairs two rares three uncommons and then six so you'd get an extra rare minus one commons it'd be six yes. commons right uh, whatever the number is, the the point of the example is they could have changed the packs to accommodate for the loss of the rare because now in like a booster box setting we are effectively losing like I think it's like fifteen rares per box and then multiply that by a case like there's just a lot of rares that just are now gone and they're harder to get as a result which is what's causing these harder pull ratios. I'm not necessarily crying over the missing super rare um but it is more of the fact that it just they could have done something different and the monkey's paw just so happens to us wanting that and it just so happened to be compounded with other issues because maybe without the campaign rares uh that introduces four more rares into the pool and maybe it softens the blow a little bit because we saw this type of a problem with uh bt11 and how they did campaign rares, but there was only two campaign rares in those booster boxes. So, like, two or three. It wasn't the four. I think I still felt that. Yeah, like, the, rares were, the rares were still slightly harder, yes. They still but they weren't, like, this bad, because now you're missing actually a lot more rares than and two. I think, I mean, the conversation always seems to turn back to this at the, in recently, but um, that wouldn't be as much of a problem if... The sets weren't designed the way that they were, because if you don't have a set that they release, I could pull it back up, but you've got BT11, uh, and I'm looking at the full set list here, minus alt arts, because nobody cares, and you're trying to run Black War Greymon, so what do you need? You need, you know... Probably three or four copies of Black War Raymond X Antibody. Super rare. That's going to take you a couple boxes. You're not super upset if you only get one, 
you know, or zero, I guess, in a box. Zero is unfortunate, but that's that's the game you play with SRs, but usually they're not too expensive. But when it really hurts is now you have to also go out of your way to look for Metal Greymon X antibody, which you need four of, and it's a rare. You're probably not going to get four. And then, you know, Greymon X antibody is a common, so you'll be fine there. But um, Agumon X antibody is an uncommon. You might not even get four Agumon X antibody in a box now, and that's really annoying for people that... No, you, you definitely will, box. because one can come in foil. Oh, that's even... That's I guess that's fine, but... Yeah, you're seeing more commons and uncommons in the set now more than ever because of the inclusion of the extra um the point is is they they give you a box and what 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 they're really doing is when they sell you a box is they're selling you like five different puzzles just in one box and you open that box and you're like cool i got plenty of the flower puzzle i didn't get any of the race car puzzle but i really wanted the race car puzzle so let me buy another box and oh look more flower puzzle I now have enough to build two flower puzzles and still one incomplete um, race car puzzle. Because that's all these packages are, are portions of a whole, but they're self-contained. There is nowhere else you can go to replace Metal Greymon X Antibody. It, it is exactly what it is. Now, there are, you know, budget alternatives or alternatives for different lists if you don't want to run exactly like the list everyone's expected to run but you're if you're playing a black war graymon deck especially a black war graymon x antibody deck you need four copies of this rare and rares shouldn't be this hard to get i i definitely would agree with that which is where a lot of people's concerns are uh again i think that the compounding or issue least... is the campaign rares adding or more like subtracting rare slots. I think they're actually subtracting the super rare slots more than the rare slots. And it's just the, the quantity of the foil commons and uncommons. Like, I think the foil... I don't know how many foil commons or uncommons come in a booster box, per se. Because uh, I have yet to open a full booster box to, to count them myself. But depending on the quantity, they could have easily just reduced the quantity and just have still had... Rares be slightly harder to get, but not, like, astronomically hard. Like, I like the idea of, like, one box has basically one of one copy of each rare. I, I like that idea. Uh, and if you make it so, like, okay, maybe one or two is, like, shorted based on just case ratio or just how packaging and seeding works, fine, whatever. It still wouldn't hurt the price of the rares. I don't know how the price of the rares is going to be affected by this. Again, some of them are probably going to start jumping because of the fact that the rares are just harder to get now. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be, like, that bad. Like, it, it maybe will turn a card that was 50 cents into a card that's, like, maybe a dollar or two dollars. I could also be wrong on that, and it could still be 50 I mean, cents, but... Metal Graham on X antibodies? Only pre-sales pre always, like, a ridiculous number that you should never buy anything for and it's only three dollars i so, mean that's that's pre-sale price so um uh, you could just that's take higher than it should be yeah that definitely is way higher than it should be that's more than some of the um i think some I think of that's the another thing too like like rares should have more value like there are the outlier rares like 
I know Davis was like $15 at one point. TK was like almost $20 at one point. Um, but rares, rares shouldn't be like vendor, you know, trash. Like they, they really should have some base value to it. And because that's something, if you have rares that have value, then you can uphold the base value of a set. And it's something that when like, um, people that I know that do EVs or, you know, expected values for boxes, they discredit everything less than a dollar as chaff. They, they don't include it, its value at all. I don't care if you could technically, like, as a bulk rate of, you know, every 100 cards is, like, a nickel or a dime or something. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's kindling. and But everything above a, a dollar at least sees some value additive to a trade or an exchange of some kind like if you know if you want to trade an 18 dollar card for a 20 dollar card throw in two rares that are worth a dollar and you know you've got yourself a, a, a more equitable trade but the problem is is that basically cards are only worth like you know five or more dollars or they're just like absolutely worthless and the rarity doesn't even really imply that much either. No, because we get supers that literally come out and they're like, oh, here's the base 60 price. Cents. Yeah, here's here's a dollar super rare. It's like, cool, that felt great to open. And then you get, yeah, the uh, more like sought after super rare. And so it's like, oh, man, or... this is a $10 super rare. But like super rares just as a whole usually aren't necessarily that expensive. It's like... Your your average one is like on the high side, five dollars. The hot one is like seven to ten dollars, and then most of them are like two dollars or less. They're they're like on par with super, uh, normal rares at times in or terms of price. Because like, um, I remember it happened with Searcher, but Vemmon, meme deck. But you need many Vemmon, and you actually don't get that many Vemmon from a box as opposed to every other common. And because you can run a lot of them, uh, it's a fifty cent common. I mean, that's just the, the price we pay for that type of card and deck being designed. Mm -hmm. But at least, like, the benefit of the smaller set means that you see it more often, and they actually printed that card in a higher prevalence. So on, like, a printing sheet, it could have been two cards on that printing sheet dedicated to searchers, which means that it was being printed more than any other common and yet it's still just because of the sheer number that you would need a super highly sought after card just because of the quantity yeah everyone that needs it doesn't need four of them they need like 20 of them yeah right and depending but... on the deck and how it uses it because eosmon had its own with uh the level five eos but you're not running 20 of that card you're usually running like maybe 10 12 15 at most if you're feeling frisky Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's just a lot of compounding issues inside of BT11, and that's kind of why people were just like, I don't want the small set of uh, RB1 in its, or it used to be in its existence of, uh, like, a super small set. Like, that's why I think, like, going back to almost the, the viewer question, uh, slightly larger set sizes could help i don't think that they need to be 300 card sets but like maybe up it to like 
120. See how that goes. Maybe up it to, if, if they really wanted to, 130, 140, or even as high as 150. I don't think, like, based on how they want to give us cards, they need to go higher than 150. Because that would put us in, like, on par with Special Booster 1.5 box rates, uh, mm-hmm. pull rates. And I think that was pretty okay. And then they just made it easier with BT4. I rem- You could go back into my YouTube channel and, like, watch my reactions to the changes in, like pull rate distributions uh and kind of see my surprise be like oh my god it's even easier to get these cards this is great and i think that's part of the appeal of digimon is just how accessible the card game is and uh part of the outcry was we wanted it to be more accessible and part of this outcry is this is less accessible so it's it's definitely an accessibility issue uh when it comes to what we want we just want things not necessarily to be like piss easy but we want things to still be easy enough to where we could get whatever we need to play the game to begin with. Yeah, because ultimately, regardless of your competitive goal, if you're just playing at locals or if you're playing, you know, potentially at Nats in the next couple weeks, like the full spectrum, you still want the cards to play the deck that you want to play. And if you don't and you can't, then you're upset. Correct. So, that kind of seems to be the nature of the issue, unfortunately, which, because, I mean, Digimon's been in a pretty lull. Says There was just so long since the last release, and then especially immediately coming upon the the last uh, band restriction announcement that kind of took all the, or some of the creative deck building and the, the changes in the format kind of like, away before we even really had a chance to play with them um this is the first time a lot of people i know myself included i took a decent break from physically playing the game for a while uh just because there wasn't a whole lot going on and there are plenty of other hobbies that we you know people can partake in i i definitely feel the the burnout or lull sentiment where it's just like okay if nothing's gonna happen there's no real incentive for me to play i do think like that's more of an organized play structure failure like they they could have easily ran something in january just to keep people like entertained and active uh offered some sort of special reprint promo just to entice people even more like I don't know if people notice this, but we get reprints actually quite a lot and quite often. It's just it doesn't feel that we get way some because garbage ass reprints though. I, I, Not yes. gonna lie. So we get some pretty F tier reprints. Some of it comes from the card's popularity, and then some of it comes from the time frame in which they thought it was a good idea. So like we've seen cards what? where it's just like, oh, That's this would problem. be they just... No, like Wait, it's it's just a disconnect. A... It's not necessarily disconnect. It's it's just the the price of being reactive based on how printing cards works. It's like oh, no, um, it's the problem of printing a card and six months later that card being irrelevant because no, but it they... took six months to print the card when it was relevant. Therein lies the actual issue. It's just like this card yeah. was relevant six months ago, but it took six months to cards, get it out. Don't make the cards be irrelevant in six months. That's easier so, said than done, though. In in some yeah, but cases, it's easier than speeding up the printing process. One's a manufacturing, like, uh, societal thing. You're not changing. The well, they can't necessarily schedule. guess that, like, they a can card change is... the meta of a card game. It's entirely yes. within their limits. Yes, but if let's just say people 
uh, I'm going to use Hexablau as an example. Let's say people mm-hmm. really, really liked Hexablau and everyone was taking to the deck and everyone really loved playing it. So Bandai would see that love and attraction, make a reprint, order that through the factories, and then it takes the factories uh, six months is just an example time frame um because obviously they could go to different printers and like it it's its own beast but i'm just using six months as just a generic number six months down the line we get that hexablau reprint that everyone was asking for six months later and now nobody's playing the deck and it's just like oh but you guys wanted this like we we can only do so much they can't necessarily like yes they could have predicted make hexablau good for six months that's easier said than done sometimes because most of the it's time not. they don't necessarily know the impact of what they're making. Well, that's their fault. <laughs> no, it's this, not. This, you can't just come problem. out. I mean, look at. Uh, I hate to pick on magic and keep going back Go to ahead. magic, but like, look at Rot Priest. Like, Rot Priest mm-hmm. is clearly one of the dumbest cards they've printed in a long time. And mm-hmm. like, they don't know the full impact of that card. Granted, there's so many other formats and so many other things to look at when it comes to that, that they, that wizards just gives up and they don't care. Uh, but you can't necessarily 110 predict what everyone is going to be doing, what everyone is going to be playing and what is even popular or possible. Like people still like Hexablaumon and are happy for that reprint, but yes, nobody is playing a Hexablaumon deck because not necessarily because it's not good. It was good. It's just when we got it, it was just too late. It's like with the security rookies. It's like we got, we're getting the security rookies, the equivalent of like what, three, four sets later than they came out in Japan. Most of those cards, the relevancy is gone. So like, oh, we're finally getting these cards and they don't matter. That's such a shame. But uh, that's more of like a timing on when they're releasing that rather than like, oh, this is a reprint we think people would like, but the same type of issue is kind of in that same style of sentiment where it's just like people would want, let's just say Black War Greymon as an example. Black War Greymon's hot right now. It's super hot in Japan, and now it's starting to be phased out of the meta. I don't know if it's going to continue to be phased out, but six months down the line, they have zero idea if Black War Greymon is still going to be the best deck. They didn't even know that Melga was as good as it was until the U.S. got it, or not necessarily U.S., but the English peop- uh, the English audience and the English side got it, and they didn't. They had zero idea. They looked at the Japanese stuff and said, "Okay, Melga's gone. Cool. That means it's going to go away in Japan or in English, and nobody's going to have to worry about it, and it's not really that big of a deal or big of a problem." And then here we are, it existing for three whole sets, and people are pissed yeah. and. They use that in, like, maybe in two or three months. We'll see a, a Metal Guru Monax Antibody reprint with a nice alt art. And then it's just like, oh, it's... Nobody's playing the deck anymore? Huh, that's weird. Like, they, they just don't know. Well, they don't know because they're weirdly, like, bad at knowing how good their own things are. In That's in, most I card could, games, though. I feel like that's most Japanese card games. Because while... Obviously, Magic's got its stains, and I, I still I don't play Standard Magic. I haven't played Standard Magic in a while. I, like, I mean, I'll be upfront about that. I play Digimon. That's the only card game I'm actively playing at the moment, outside of Commander, which don't play Digimon Commander. Don't even try and make Digimon Commander. That's bad, and you're bad. But um, the the point is, is there like, Magic has existed as long as it has for a reason. You know, 
do I agree with its current direction? Not necessarily do I agree with any of Hasbro's business practices, no. But you have to study your past as not to repeat it. And Magic's been around for, what, 30 years now. So they're clearly doing something right. And um, not to, you know, you know, really break open a whole case study here, because I know we don't have time for that, nor do many people care for that. But at least for the, the basis of the argument that Magic or Digimon is within their means to make cards relevant for longer periods of time. If they want to pump and dump and milk a card game over a two or three year cycle, they can or are within their power to do so. But Magic hasn't existed as long as it has because it doesn't do that. Maybe it does in the short run. Maybe there are time periods where they really ran up the power level, <laughs> Throne of Eldraine, and they, they fixed that. They, they acknowledged they were wrong and they fixed it via a rotation and some bans, but they fixed it. And like, so, you know, the whole the root end of the, the short run of this conversation, at least is, given our, you know, time span for today, is that I'm just looking at a standard deck list from MTG Goldfish. Again, I don't play standard. I just pulled up a deck list and I'm just flipping through the cards. And the amount of cards in this deck that are about to rotate out, meaning they are over a calendar year old, is significantly larger than anything you would even remotely see in Digimon. Outside of maybe some of the basis, like foundational of like of the card game cards. Like what's the oldest card in Black War Greymon? Uh it would be BT five Agumon. Which okay, so BT five is even a lot more recent. There's no BT one cards at all in it. Uh no? if you really want to starter deck Greymon. I guess well BT five BT five came out in that's, August. That's block zero. That's the tail end of block zero. That no, I, I need a time frame. Like so that was uh, August it would be August twenty one? Yes. Two years okay. ago. So that's that's you know a little older, but so um just just again flipping through, I'm I don't have time to do numbers, I don't have time to do ratios, but there's a good number of you know, this is just an Esper mid-range, you know, Esper being um, blue, white, black, and um, it's running, uh, let's go, AO, the Dawn Sky from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which came out over a year ago today. And that's one of the premier cards in this deck. That's one of the biggest, it's a mythic rare, like, how many secret rares that came out in what came out a year ago today, BT7. How many secret rares from BT6, 7, or 8 are still played? Um, no, Lusamon. In what deck? Mastamon. Is it? Yes. They still play at least a tech one of Lusamon, just because they need some it's sort of It's not the tamer. face of the deck, though. N no. no. But the set literally right after that is Mastamon. <laughs> Like, it, it is the starter deck of Mastimon, which the core of the starter deck is still everything that's being ran inside of Mastimon. But, so, again, because I, I know which there are Which is almost a year old here. at this point, being from BT8. 
there are older cards here too. And then I don't know how relevant they are, but they're BT here. one Magna Angemon's in there as well. Sometimes as a tech one of, or even more, depending on the deck build. And well, the starter decks were also printed to be those that foundation that cards in sets sometimes even aren't because yeah but that's kind of how magic is to a degree it's like oh uh the the stupid set that just came out uh for magic those cards are going to be in for a long time and based on where the game's trajectory is that is the most powerful set out of all of the sets that preceded it so a lot of those cards soft rotation is going to be played just because but of the mechanics involved with it i don't know and again it it's a larger conversation that we've had before but if i say i'm playing esper mid-range name a card in my deck because you can't because i, it depends. I don't i don't know the the context well, of magic i mean you'd have to know the context but yeah I, i'm like being, like esper mid I'm, that just means i'm playing a blue you know, a blue white black mid-range deck or grixis or all right, I mean, I guess I could use... I'm playing Mono White Midrange, the current most popular deck. I'm not... This isn't... No, I'm just going to look for the deck card. This isn't Anointed Peacekeeper that, you know, there's four of that in this deck. This isn't Wandering Emperor. This is Mono White, because as soon as Wandering Emperor rotates out, maybe Mono White gets worse, but... You just replace Wandering Emperor with something else that tries to maybe do the same thing. If there's even remotely anything close, it does the same thing. And I mean, it's a fucking mythic rare planes rocker. It probably can't be replaced in the same capacity. But if if I lose Black War Greymon, I just can't play Black War Greymon because there's only Black War Greymon. Well, I think that's just the the differences in the card games, though. Like. Magic is designed completely differently. Digimon always had those hints at wanting to be archetypical from the very beginning because of how Digimon are and how they work. They want these supposed evolution lines, and they're designing basically one evolution line to be the main focus of the deck and then everything else to support that idea. And the more an archetype gets support the more expansive that becomes, as we're going to see with Greymon as a whole, because of all of the different ways that we could play Greymon. We have red Greymon, we have black Greymon, we even have red-yellow Greymon, which means he could be put into the red Greymon, which could intersect, like, intersect with the red-black Greymon, and it just it opens the doors to what what actually is a Greymon deck at that point. Like, what, what constitutes it? And the, the naming sake is from the main Megas. It's like, oh... You're playing a Black War Greymon, even though you're using red-yellow cards. Like, okay, sure. Um, so, because I, I at least want it to be known, because I've made this argument many times with, you know, to more or less success, depending upon the day and, like, the words I choose. But I at least want those that are listening, that those still do care at least a little bit, to be aware of my position and why I am the, speaking the way I'm speaking. And... I'm going to try and justify, like, my idea. Obviously, it's not the game developer's idea. Otherwise, they would they would make different decisions. And also, my idea isn't necessarily correct because, you know, everyone's allowed to have opinions. But um, when I think of Digimon, I don't necessarily think of Agumon, Greymon, Metal Greymon, 
War Greymon. I think of, and I sent you a link, something more akin to the Digimon video games, more akin to this, this specifically are the evolution paths of the vital bracelets. And it just, these aren't even super complicated trees, but like, you know, you get the dinosaur roar. Um, we could probably just include this link. So if anyone wants to try and follow along in the YouTube description or in the uh, podcast description, they can look at this too. But dinosaur roar vital bracelet. You know, you get a, a Bodemon that digivolves into a Coromon that digivolves into, depending upon conditions of the environment, Agumon or Black Agumon. And then depending upon conditions of environment, Agumon can go into either Greymon or Monochromon or Dark Tyrannomon. And Dark Agumon, Black Agumon, can go into either Monochromon or like a uh, Black Greymon or Dark Tyrannomon. And, and this is the point is that we're already at the level four and there are six Digimon represented here. This isn't Agu, Gray, Metal, Gray, War Gray. That's yeah, only you, one potential. You're, you're asking for uh, more of like a reverse pyramid where your bottom is really small, but your top is very expansive. Yeah, Agumon can go into like based because, you know, Agu goes into Gray, who can go into two or three different things to go into two to three different things. Yeah, like a reverse pyramid, like, um, and obviously the card game is less structured that way, uh, physically, but it could be where you could have, you know, like, like in the Greymon decks, a couple Agumons, but they don't all have to go into Greymons. They really don't. You don't need BT5 Greymon and Starter Deck Greymon and BT8, uh, the red black greymon and now uh the bt11 black red or that's bt12 the like just greymon x antibody and the, the black greymon x antibody like you could have monochromons which they do exist they're just bad they could have tyrannomons they exist they're just bad like you could have other things that agumon can canonically digivolve from as choice options for a deck that would allow you to have more flexibility and you wouldn't have to lean in on exclusive name-based archetypical synergies. You could still make it Agumon-themed by making it things that Agumon comes from without having to say so explicitly. That and that would... I, I like the idea that you got. I think they would harder. have to change... Yeah, they, it, it would be way harder and they'd have to change a lot about how they do... Uh, like card design in order to accommodate that you'd have um, to just lean more into the colors than you do the actual names yeah like i i like the idea of what they have done with beale star where it's just like it cares about seven cost adoptions and then it's up to you to figure out how to actually make the off color ones work because it has its mm -hmm. core package where it's just like ignore color if it's a three musketeer ignore color if it's a three musketeer oh it's already on color but you can ignore it for the other three musketeers um and then literally you could just be like yeah i'm just gonna run this like red blue tamer and now i could run red blue options just because now i have that tamer to unlock that which then opens up the doors to more options for me to play to, to handle different situations like i i like those types of decks but they are harder to design and harder to balance for yeah it's just because i i think that that's really like the the, the game that i'm not seeing I'm not asking for them to make magic. 
you know, like I said, I'm not even playing Magic. But what I'm asking them to make is a game that, you know, I don't sit down and pull out my Agumon to fight your Greymon and already know, like, I mean, even if you included other things, right? Like, it's not difficult for somebody to know 80% to 90% of your deck in Magic by seeing a first couple cards, especially once they have experience with it. And then the more fine-tuned competitive lists have fewer choices to really be made. But the point is, it's not just 4-4-4-4-4, I've made my deck. Like, it's, it, I mean, even this list I'm looking at right now in Magic is 3-2-4-2-3-2-2. Those are the creatures. I like, mean, the, the... there's only one four of the thing is with Digimon and basically any card game is you will hit that optimization point. And if that optimization point is still just using Agumon into Greymon, into Greymon X, like the it the the rest of the evolution line is kind of pointless. It's like, yes, they could do a more optimized version for those off Digimon, sure. But again, now you're ignoring the rest of the options because there is just one clear answer. And there's always going to be that one clear answer in a more optimized setting. There's not necessarily that much room for different flexible variants, which is where the Agumon in uh, BT12 and some of the future formats, because of how supported it is, it actually does become a little bit harder because of all of the different interactions that they have. And they're all just good. Um, So, like, again, things open up when there's more cards available to it. And... Again, I think we're just going in the other direction with that. Well, I think we're going away from like the choices, and I I I know we're kind of going over on time, and but this is like my piece on the idea that you know, I guess I should have started from the more recent stuff. You know, BT11. I'm just clicking on Garudamon, Inheritable. You may play a red tamer with a play cost of four a lust from your hand without paying its memory cost. Okay, that's actually pretty generic. Um, so the, like, you know, the Bergermon, Garudamon virus deck cares about, or vaccine, I'm sorry, cares about, you know, red tamers. Cool. I learned that from one card. Um, I go back and I read the 1.0 Garudamon and she doesn't have an inheritable, the 1.5 Garudamon, (laughs) um, has, when this Digimon is blocked to draw one. It also has piercing. So, look at that. When this Digimon is blocked. It doesn't say when this Greymon is blocked. It doesn't say when this X-Antibody is blocked. It doesn't say when this BT-8 Metal Greymon is blocked. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, when this is blocked, well, it is an inheritable ability. You could Digivolve Garudamon into Breakdramon or War Greymon. Like, I mean, if now with all the, the multicolor shenanigans, you could Digivolve this red level five into a yellow red level six and really break what you know that draw one when you're blocked but i mean the point is is that you can make an ability that somebody wants to include in a deck that doesn't have to say a name of another card or a, a function of cards Depending on the style of deck, yes, I I do kind of agree with that. But again, because some of the name based are just name with in its name, you still have options and opportunities to do more than just, oh, 
this specifically 110% needs to digivolve into Greymon X antibody to work. Like, you could still use BT-8 Greymon with War Greymon. It's just caring about any Greymon that can go on top of it. Theoretically, if there was a Dragonkin level 5 Greymon that could digivolve on top of a level 5, that would even still work. It doesn't necessarily matter. Same thing with all of the Omnimons. It just needs to be an Omnimon. It doesn't care what Omnimon it is. It's it's literally the same thing, just with a slightly tighter window. But again, as something gets more supported, that window becomes then larger and larger. I and, think, and I'm trying. I'm struggling here to search for it. Um, actually, I found it. Um, the difference being, um. So, this is actually the full suite, and and this is this number lies, but there are currently fifty five level six Greymons in print. Uh, I guess that probably is including alt arts. Yeah, it's that is thirty seven. Thirty seven. Many of them are alt arts. There are thirty seven level six Greymons. That's just level six, including the word Greymon. That's everything from War Greymon BT one to uh. Or EX4 Kreskarurumon. Um Now, that's a lot. There's a lot of variants there. You know, technically. Um, now, it, it's lying a little bit, because Shoutmon DX is included here, too. But So, if you want to run a Greymon deck, and you want to run a Greymon as your level 6, and all your inheritables say Greymon, there are plenty of cards you can choose from. Most of them are wrong, but they do exist. But... There are also, at the current moment, um, not including, 82 red level 6s total. So, if you just want to run a red level 6, you have 82 options. Or, you know, if you want to run, because maybe there's some dual colors in there, you can also include... Uh, like Shoutmon X5B is red blue. Like, there are like however many options they want to print and make for Greymons, and then the Greymon deck has choices to make in which Greymon they Greymon. Then you could have way more options by, okay, what what effect do I want based on the Digimon that is printed? And you don't want to make a deck, because I, I know this is an argument that's been made too, that you don't want a deck that just has, like, it's kind of like a, a do-all, catch-all deck that I could have my level 5, you know, Melga X that digivolves into my level 6, you know, War Greymon, and it just does everything and is the best deck and everyone runs the same, you know, 40 cards. But color-based, you know, restrictions exist, and as long as we continue not to ignore them, they restrict deck building enough themselves to where are you running the black Greymon deck, or the red Greymon deck, or the red-black Greymon deck, and there should be some compromises and uh, downsides to running the red-black deck, unless maybe you're running, like, the red-black deck, but that's BT-12, right? Uh, yeah. But there, there still is, because uh, I've even seen this on something, like, on some of my videos, where it's just like, I never thought of using that tech card that you're using. 
in this fan in this manner because it's just so off of their radar and here i am introducing it to them like uh sukumon um maki poop tribal yeah poop tribal uh there's two technically there's like two main variants you could play it either black based or yellow based most people are going to end up playing it black based because the rest of the deck kind of synergizes with the black cards you could do some very interesting stuff with the yellow base in recovery and you could splash in a purple tamer to try to run flame hell scythe because a lot of your level fives are 6000 dp or less so you could trigger their on play abilities so that was a pretty interesting take or on the black side people didn't even know that maki was a card and it's just like oh these are two color digimon and this cares about two color digimon specifically one color being black that just works and like there's still a lot of freedom to be had in digimon deck design even with some of the constraints that we had like people in blue flares uh could consider running yuyakuga just because it cares about greymons but what are you running blue greymons so you could digivolve your level five metal greymon into level five decker greymon still get you yuyakuga's ability off and that card has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of what blue flares is doing so, like, you still have lots of intricate, like, in interesting synergies that you could just line up together because of just how things are currently structured. Yes, for the most part, it is kind of easy, but not everyone kind of gets that. Uh, and people still want to, like, have their own different levels of discovery based on just what they see, what they have, and what they pull, and how they pull. I mean, yeah. I think the hardest part for me is that when I look at a new set, I can't look at every card. I can look at the super rares and the secret rares. And that tells me what deck I'm playing. I mean, that's, I look at that's BT a good 11, start. I look at BT11, and I see Phoenix Mon, Mars Mon, Shout 7, Ulforce, Mirage Gao, you know, GG, Black War X, Merva, Bagra, and then Mirai. So, these are the decks that are playable in BT11. You know, the Vaccine deck, uh, slash the Marsmon deck, because they're the same deck. Sure, Shout, no. Shoutmon, Ulforce, Mirage Galmon's Gal unplayable, Gigimon's unplayable, unplayable, Black War, Mervamon, Bagramon's unplayable, even though I wish he wasn't, and then Mastamon support. And, like, and that's the point, is that I can condense the hundred you know something cards down to 10 and look at the 10 different decks that i could play and which five of them are going to be good whereas and you still you have can't the, do that you still magic. have you still have some of the other decks that like are still playable like even though melga has a pretty bad black war greymon matchup it's still good against basically anything not black war greymon and yes i get in a more competitive sense Usually, you want to try to run the deck that has the most uh, wide way to be able to handle the field, which is why a lot of people are thinking, oh, Grandis is going to be such a good counterpick. It has literally one good matchup, and then it's like 50-50 on anything else uh, or worse, just because you need to see your specific combo. If any deck can disrupt that combo, which some can, that are also good into Black War, then you're just actually boned. Like, you just can't win those matchups. So I don't necessarily think, like, that would be a good deck to take. But if that's the type of mindset people are in, I would rather take Melga versus Grandis, even though, like, Grandis is better into the one specific matchup. Melga's better against all of the other matchups that aren't necessarily that, if you're still kind of losing to it anyway. 
or at least being 50-50 with it. Mm-hmm. And, and Grandis seen a total of zero updates. Zero. And people are still wanting to play it, and he's still a viable deck. So, like, that's not... That's more a symptom of the, the card game's rules than it is, like, of, you know, creative deck design. Any deck, like, like basically, Grandis has just scraped the ceiling of decks that how quickly can I establish an OTK combo? And if anything is faster than Grandis, it pushes Grandis out of, like, feasibility. And Melga exists kind of in that same sense, where Melga still sees play, not because Melga's doing anything creative, it just slams its head against the wall and sometimes breaks through to the other side. Any deck that can do what Melga does faster immediately just replaces it in the meta with, like, you know, you could have made Poop Tribal a deck that when I swing with my Poopmons, it replaces itself with a Poopmon that gains Rush. And Poopmon would have replaced it Melga because it would have done the same thing. Like, oh, I don't care if my Poop dies because another Poop comes out. And, you know, as long as you have that same timetable of, like, how fast you can win, then you'll always be in that scope of replacing those decks. Like... Yeah, but they haven't That's... introduced a new one, and it's based on... No, because if they did, the game may become, like, a turn-two format. Well, that like, that's that's the good part, because we've reached a uh, power ceiling that they're not willing to move from, but still can work under and operate under, and it's not like decks are necessarily hardcore replacing each other because of that. It's just, what is the up at the very top, and what is allowed to exist in that current environment based on that? So, I... Like, Grandis was not a real deck to play in EX3 because of Melga's existence. Melga just Mm -hmm. beats it out. But because Melga is being taken down a notch, that allows a guard and a deck like Grandis to be able to come up in its place. And they're they're from the same set, mind you. So, like, it, it is just more of, like, what the field looks like based on what's being played. And, like, yes... Some of it is being replaced by the new decks, and a lot of the new decks, which is why I'm super hyped for the spoilers that we got from BT13, some of the new decks just are support for older decks. Like, you well, see a lot of yeah. you see a lot of uh, cards touching other decks that were older, like Phoenixmont. People are going to write that deck off, and they should write that deck off for being competitive currently, but it's getting support in future sets so it's like oh it maybe it's still in the back of my mind that they're still playing around with its idea and it could still be good we see that with like bloom lord where it's like bloom lord gets very very small intricate extra cards added in here or there that aren't necessarily adding to the deck but it adds more options that you have with what the deck can do and uh that's kind of the same sentiment that like machine drummond's been getting ever since its inception in uh, EX1, where it's just like, oh, this new level 5 cyborg can make this really good. Oh, this new level 5 cyborg makes this really good. Oh, this new Machine Dramon makes this even better. Like, it, it's just a slow increment. Some move faster than others, depending on the level of support, but that, that's just the byproduct of any card game. It's just what the competitive environment is and what's being supported are two huge factors into how well a deck's success is, but older decks can still win sometimes. I think, I don't know, It maybe it's just more of the fatigue of 
because of Digimon's, I guess, comparatively limited, like, character design, like, like, how many Greymons are there? Whereas Magic operates off of creating a unique, you know, person or concept. It's, you know, well, they work off of mechanics. It's like, what mechanic is this deck doing? Like, uh, white weenies, as an example. It's like, I play white small things. Why? Because they are white and they are small things. Done. End of discussion. Replace the small things with new small things. Doesn't really matter. The the deck is still the deck based on the mechanic it's trying to work with. And a lot of Digimon decks, it just so happens those mechanics are more archetypical rather than just uniquely color-based. But, I mean, I think the point is, is like, as you said, there are new cards that are getting printed and new decks or older decks are seeing support. But the and there's the yes new cards are seeing play it's actually not that bad but the appearance is less good to me because i'm not replacing you know i'm just gonna grab two random names ambitious farmhand with spirited companion whereas one is a dog and one is a guy with a pitchfork you know they're both one mana you know um white weenie cards I'm replacing BT-8 Greymon with BT-12 Greymon. It's just Greymon. I'm replacing Greymon with Greymon. And maybe, if I'm lucky, I will get to replace Greymon with Greymon in BT-13. <laughs> like, I mean, you know? It, you still have that option. Like, there is uh, a lot of expansibility in having lots of cards in a single archetype, as I keep hauling back to, because... It ha- there's just more tech and tools. Do I run um, BT9 uh, X antibody Greymon, or do I run BT11 X antibody Greymon? Well, that depends on what your level five is. If your level five is a particular type of card, then that dictates what your level four is. Like it, it all feeds into itself on how the deck is going to be designed. And it's not necessarily I'm running this because it's Greymon. It's I'm running this specific card because of the interactions I'm trying to get out of this other specific card, which is just what all card games are trying to do is just that level of synergy. Why am I running this white weenie? Because it's a white weenie. What does white weenies work with? Anthems. I'm playing this anthem because I want to have this board of small things that just suddenly get big. It doesn't matter what the small thing is. Obviously, the stronger the small thing, the the better uh, it's going to mm-hmm. perform. But that that is just the core idea. And you're just changing out one part that's bad for another part that's good. That's doing functionally the same thing because you're still trying to have that interaction that is the core combo of the deck. Yeah. And I guess, you know, as it as the 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 deck archetypes change and as the structure in the environments change around them, there are also changes that are made um, you know, either in anthem via a a creature where you just have a guy that's just a lord and he gives plus one plus ones to other, you know, white weenies, or you've got an enchantment that just says all knights get plus one plus one. So now you kind of want to lean more knights than you did previously because it didn't matter that you ran this 2-2 two, two, or this other 2-2. Two, two. They're both vanilla 2-2s two, and one was a knight and one's not a knight, but now the one that's a knight matters more. So you want to run that one only for 
the duration in which that card is legal, and then it rotates out, and then that, that card, therefore, loses its time in the sun. But um, that's something that you just don't have well, that's the because same of just... fidelity of. I mean, you, you do and you don't at the same time. It it It's a lot more of a complicated problem when it comes to, like, deck and set design. And this is why I think, like, having a slightly larger set design and set just gives you more tools to be able to play with, which maybe would make getting to a more desired approach for you and how you would want to approach deck building uh, to be more of that type of experience, just because, again, more tools in the toolbox means you have more options to be able to work with, and uh, the slow drip feed isn't necessarily doing it for you. Uh, but again, there's also certain decks like Security Control, like Bealstar, um, like Machine Drummon that don't necessarily have these clear-cut answers just because of the expansive amount of like tools that it's trying to interact with. Because it's like, what does the ideal level 5 lineup for a uh, Machine Drummon deck even look like? It's like, oh, well, you could use BT1 Metal Greymon. Or you could use uh, EX3 Cyber Dramon. They're both trying to DP boost. One does a job. One does the job differently than the other, but the goal is to still try to DP boost. And there is no clear cut answer based on the other types of level fives you're trying to interact with to be able to build that stack based on how Machine Dramon's trying to play with. So like, there are things that we have and decks that we have. It's just not everything is like that. Well, so. I'm really going to, you know, peel back some layers here, back to, I think, one of the more original things I stated. What kind of started this tangent to begin with is that the frustrations of people pulling rares in a pack or in a box stems from Bandai providing more or less complete packages in a single, you know, shotgun attempt, right? You've If you want to play the most, you know, recent iteration of Black War Greymon, or you want to play the vaccine red tamer deck or you want to play the new old force you need the new stuff you cannot necessarily just take your old old force deck and just slap bt11 old force in there that's not the same deck even if it's the same name and that's a little misleading and it's a little unfortunate because someone who's been a big old force fan for a long time and has maintained their old force deck is now getting new support, and they're really happy about it. And just to learn that they, they might as well have not kept that deck, and they're basically building a new one anyway. Well, I mean, you could still keep, use a lot of those. Like, this this is where I think, like, decks kind of... This is where the soft rotation comes in, where it's like, you have your initial line that is the start of a deck. Uh, usually, when you get that initial line, the very first time, you just fill whatever you could throw inside of it to make it function. Then you get a next wave of support that gives you your second line. So now you have that second line to start to work with in combination with that first one. And then you have even less options in terms of like the various other cards that you're doing. Then you get your third wave of support. And then that third wave of support is going to start phasing out that first wave. But you're still going to keep that second wave because it's still doing something similar to what the deck is trying to do. And that's kind of like the cycle that Digimon is trying to play with is not necessarily to like permanently phase out cards, but to like 
at least it make you stop and think about the different options that you have based on the new line. And yes, the new line is usually going to be the one that they want you to play more often because that's, you know, the new hotness. But if there's older stuff to play with it, that's still on the table. Like, you still theoretically in your Allforce deck could use BT2 Allforce as like the off mega, the tech two of. Is it going to be the best option? No, but it's still an option. Yeah, and I think the the examples are harder with the decks that have fewer examples because, I mean, we, we talk a lot about Black War Greymon now. It's the new hotness. But, you know, Greymon received a line many times. There's many Greymons. It's the Charizard, right? It's um, constantly receiving support in almost every set. and But we're at the point now where okay, I've replaced my BT9 or Greymon X antibody deck. I keep hitting the back button, even though that's not how Digimon Card Not Dev works. Uh, my BT9, you know, red War Greymon X antibody deck with my BT11 black War Greymon X antibody deck. Okay, I'm not getting rid of everything. I'm just getting rid of some things with my bt12 now i'm getting rid of more things now i've almost removed all of the old like the bt9 cards and then now we're going to bt13 which i think is the first time we actually don't have explicit black or raymon support for a while no you could tech in like the yellow red agumons sometimes but that depends on the there's not a whole line running. of support though. yeah like it's it's more of like depending on the style of deck you get like maybe a couple of cards to play with but nothing like insane but it just goes and depends on what your intended outcome is based on the evolutionary lines that bandai designs and what tech from those evolutionary lines you want to use because there still is a decent argument, depending on the cards that you play, at least in BT11 with Black or Greymon, you could build a more defensive Black variant, or you could build a more offensive Red variant, or you could even just cut out Black or Greymon entirely and still just run Greymon and War Greymon. And... Right now, but eventually you're just running the Black-Red deck that... Yes, because the, the, deck, the, choice. the deck has more synergy... With the red and black cards, you get more consistency off of the fact that they are red and black. Because, like, right now, as an example, like, I see a lot of lists in Black War Greymon run red memory boost. Well, guess what one of their level fours is? Black. Nope, pure black. So it's like, oh, my red memory boost to search out every other card but that one level four is really good. Except for that moment where I need that one level four that this card doesn't search for. Well, obviously... When they make a red-black level 4, hey, now I can take out that black one because I have a red-black one that makes my memory boost even better and more consistent. It doesn't necessarily matter the fact that I lose blocker. I gain something else from it, which does then shift how the deck wants to be played and what cards you're incorporating into it. I just think that there's some creative liberty lost when... They are, I mean, it is a children's card game, right? It's not magic. It's not, I mean, not that magic's like made for adults, but it's. They say 13 It plus wasn't on made box. for children. It wasn't made for children either. Um, and I, as someone who enjoys experimentation, enjoys creative processes, 
Um, and you've brought up examples of how people have found ways to see cards and use cards that aren't necessarily explicitly made for those reasons. And I, I like when they uh, result in something interesting and fun and not necessarily something that breaks the card game because the designer, like, I mean, MDF, MDF was not designed to be used with Susanomon and the fact that they had to ban it because of that, you know, it, it wasn't a broken card if you discount Susanomon. No, I think but, it's that card's still pretty broken. Well, it just restricted the design space of level sevens in general. But right. Um I think there is room and, and you you brought up the, the BL stars as every <laughs> they're just kind of chomping at the bit for any random card printed with a seven cost option. And um how can I use this and is this useful? And even though they're using like a base that's pretty old at this point, um, as far as just BL star and the imp bonds that recur it, but um, it it just it lets me less excited for the new sets because it already takes away one layer of excitement for the new sets when I look at Japan's lists and Black War Greymon's like forty percent of the meta, and it's even worse when I look at the the deck lists for Black War Greymon, it's like, okay, well, maybe there's at least some choice to be made in which Black War Greymon I Black War Greymon, and they change two or three cards at most. I mean, that uh, you look at the evolution of the Black War Greymon in the Japanese meta, and there's actually a lot of variance between Yeah, but we pick up where, where they, they left off, cards. All that initial variation has been done for us, you know? It's I mean, like yeah, the first we, couple we could... generations of an AI... We could you just kind of discount that. Yeah, I mean, we could ev- we could obviously see like what variant based on the sheer number of play has been doing success versus the others, but that doesn't discount that other variants still exist, though. No, it's just like I'm not going to buy somebody's like peanut butter and strawberry and raspberry smoothie because they tried it and they didn't know if it was good or not. I'm just going to try the strawberry banana because I know that's good. They've proven that's good. I mean... We're going to skip that part. You do generally lose a lot of creative liberty when it comes to deck building and deck design when you are six months behind. And we do have that information to look at. Especially when we're talking about competitive. When we're already limiting the card pool uh, already to be as optimal as we could possibly make it with the options available. So those two compounding factors do just... Yes, there is a loss in that creativity, but that you still have some creative things that you can do based on what you like, the cards that are given, how much support something has gotten, and like where things are currently developing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... You're right. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. You're right. Is that you still have choices to be made. I just wish there were more. And if... I think you need sets more like BT9, where it is not necessarily, hey, there is this whole new, brand new deck introduced into the set, and it's like, no, this set just is updating a lot of older decks. I think you just need something more like that. I mean, honestly, like... And I think BT13 um, does that pretty nicely. I don't know, it's not to the same extent as BT9, but like... Yeah. That's why I'm hyped for BT13. One of the things that I think is something that I've found that 
not something I really hope for rather frequently, but something that I'm looking at, like, which sets was I most excited for and why? And I think BT-8 was probably my favorite, only because of what BT-8 did, um, and how it introduced two colors, and how I really like the idea of two color decks, and how, like, they could adopt different ideas of the color identity and that whole design space. But more importantly, I think the small, like, the, the undertone there was that we were also in a world where all Japanese data was basically completely unreliable because the decks they had were no longer legal for us to play. So, I mean, if we walk into a BT-11, I know we've talked about it before, it's probably just not happening at this point, where they just ban Black War Greymon, just, you know, pick it up and throw it away. It's it's gone. It's not the omnipresent, meta-present, or omnipresent force that it is. Just, or at least bring it down to sight. You don't have to, like, remove it from existence like they did with, uh, like, Crosshearts in uh, BT-10, but bring it in line, make it so that I'm not just wrong for playing anything else, and then I can at least... Because once you do that, you also do it for us first, and then I do get some freedom in deck building for a little while, where I try and figure out, okay, well, in a world where Black War Greymon isn't the best deck, what is? And really hope it's not Melga again, but maybe it's just Melga again, but that's a different problem. Um, But, like, maybe BT-11? Maybe Black War Greymon, in a worse capacity, is still enough to check Melga to the point where people would actually still stop playing Melga, but also Black War Greymon wouldn't be 60% of the meta? I don't know. Like, that's that's the only time we, as North American English players, get the opportunity to play a deck that's never been played before, is when there's a restriction announcement between the Japanese data and us playing the cards. I mean, like, we already have a small amount of differences already, just because they get promos that we don't, and vice... Well, I can't really say vice versa, Yeah, but, but like... It's, is, it's is not as really... impactful. No one's breaking... I mean, I'll go pull up the stupid promo list. I gotta find its name to make the joke. Um, scrolling. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna make or break my Black War Greymon list via my inclusion of Espimon. I don't even know if I would run around Espimon, but I, I don't like that I don't have the choice. Um, and uh, the point is, though, is that like like nobody's deck is, is made or broken by Espimon. Sometimes they have made promos in the past that have broken things. Uh, looking at you... Um, Where Garurumon? Kawagamon. Kawagamon, yeah, that card. <laughs> Promo literally like makes Grandis a thing. Without Grand Kawagamon, Grandis wouldn't be a thing. Without... Um, I mean, less so, but back in the day, without, um, no, I don't, I don't think, yeah, Pulsemon to an extent with Lord Nightmon, um, Don Demi Devimon with the Don Devi deck, like, I just think that if they were to make not even like super meta-defining announcements, just some sort of changes on the release, it could basically completely rescope my approach to an English meta. Because 
I could just look at the Japanese data and not be worried about it, not be upset about it, and just be able to look at it and see, man, this is what they played with. And then knowing in the back of my mind that whatever changes they're going to make to our meta will tweak, maybe not completely, but play with the um, meta that we will eventually have to play in and allow us to be creative in our deck building. I don't necessarily think it's going to make our deck building any more or less creative. It's just the meta environment as a whole would uh, be restructured based on the the tweaks and changes that are made. Uh, And like the exclusion of specific promos, like the promos that we have right now are pretty low impact, although it does help certain decks depending on what the promo is. Um, But like, I get that you just want more of a wild West on what to play and how should I be playing it? And, um, like, yes, they, they could try to start banning and restricting cards a little bit more proactively, but I think they don't necessarily want to do that. <clears throat> BT10. Uh, but, um, uh, regardless, I, it's not detracting from my overall enjoyment. And I, as somebody who builds literally almost every deck under the sun and struggles building certain decks, especially the more casual ones, um, just because there is less data to go off of, so I do have to be more creative. Uh, And that's just part of the fun that I have as a content creator and a person who is approaching the game. Is like, can I actually make something powerful and interesting? Is this going to be competitive enough to bring the locals? Or is it just like something of a fever dream? Uh, you, You don't know until sometimes you test it and you build it, and sometimes you are just sitting in that waiting room where it's just like, I just need... This one piece of support, and then I'm cracked. Um, yeah, like, and then you're machine German, and you get it in BT12 after Nats. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> they they could have put that in BT11. I yes, don't know they could have put Chaos German X Antibody in BT11. They, they, and yes, they should have. Um, but that that's just the them and their set design, and just the fact that we are just behind, and we do have to live with uh, this information network that is already there to basically go off of uh but like there's there's just a lot of different things that digimon does as a card game as a whole that's still very appealing to me uh and even if they don't do bigger sets um and even if they do uh wacky and weird stuff and keep adding different product lines and changing product lines it it's still a I still am enjoying the game and uh, at least they're listening to some of the feedback because we didn't even hit on the, um, the poll that they ran for the changes to ultimate cups, which Mm -hmm. uh, personally, I really hope they don't touch anything outside. Like I losing competitive integrity for something more wacky and zany is definitely something from a data perspective. I don't want to lose uh, because I can't like, Oh, here's an ultimate cup. Uh, I guess we're playing, um, starting with 10 memory, it's like, no, I, I do not want that. I just want to play Digimon for what Digimon is. Um, and like, that's, that's just set design block structure, like looking ahead, uh, and the foresight that we don't necessarily have or do have depending on the scope in which we're referring to. But yeah, it's, I know it's not the perfect world and it's not the perfect game, but I'm still having fun with that at the end of the day. I 
I still have a generally positive outlook on the game, as much as my words may seem like I don't. Um, Just I mean, wait for BT14. Well, <laughs> I mean, hopefully. Hopefully we're all still here for BT14. Um, the, uh, the real thoughts, though, is that, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be this passionate if I didn't care, right? Like, how many people have just stopped playing without, you know, making a, you know, Dunzo manifesto about it? Um, and it, it's, I just see where it could be, and it, it frustrates me when it's not where it could be, and just... I almost have the opposite perception of what I had last year, looking at, like, where we were now, um, you know, just about approaching Nats, looking at 7, 8, 9. Those were the best sets that I was like, man, we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. But looking at 12, you know, reprint pack 13, it, it's not it's not the same outlook. I can't, I'm not going to lie and say it is, because... 11 and 12 seem fine. We'll see how much Black War Greymon ruins it and puts a sour taste in my mouth about it because it's just the Black War Greymon show, maybe with a, a featuring Beelzemonix anybody, uh, apparently. But um, EX4 looks... I mean, the EX sets are always kind of, you know... Yeah, the EX sets are usually... One, one deck is good, and then everything else is mediocre at best. It, it's good for that one micro format exclusively, and then a reprint set. And then 13, which looks... To, we have no nothing of 13, really, but... Um, well, 13 is going to be the Royal Knight and Saver set, but 14 we know nothing about. We just got the starter decks uh, that are going to supposedly have new mechanics leaked, which is going to be Garurumon and uh, Agumon uh, again. But uh, speculation... Uh, be told we don't know what those new mechanics are. We don't even know what color those decks could be because for all we know, they could be purple Garurumon because that hasn't been supported in forever. It's still Garurumon. It's still something new that oh, it's yeah. trying to do. I've seen the and then we have the milking the, the dead cow. Yeah, and we also uh, could get uh, more mono yellow Agumon because we've already had that also. So like, there's still room for them to play around with an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that they really, like, I mean, we're, we're getting towards, the game is becoming older than younger, and I, I feel like they're getting lazier with, you know, like, it's, it's a meme and it's not a meme because, as you know, I imagine, you know, people will give me shit for it. Like, I, I don't really want the Greymoniest Greymon that can Greymon. I want some, you know, active choices here. Why am I running BT12 Greymon versus BT11 Greymon? Because you told me to? That's, I don't like that. Give me a reason to. Make it so that BT12 Greymon is better against aggro decks, and BT11 Greymon's better against control decks. And, okay, well, this, this okay, you know, this format's a little bit more aggro. I'm going to, you know, switch my ratios around so I'm more 12 than 11. Like, and this is me, like, completely disregarding what the cards printed actually do, because that's the point of the the, the design space that well, they I mean, could you do, do that. You do have you do have that option already. In in Black Fork Greymon, you, you, you for have what, though. The black side of things is more defensive 
and the red side of things is more offensive. But it's, not, but it's the black or gray mod. It's the black or gray mod deck. Yeah, but depending like, on what your low end is, changes how you play your top end because it's like okay, maybe I don't need uh, Gaiomon if I'm going more defensive because he's more of an aggressive card. You're only playing him mostly because of the mirror match anyway. So like I don't. It it there is that flexibility depending on some of the tech choices that you made. I'm just pointing that out there. Um, but and like, I think maybe the disagreement between like aggression and like interaction, because like, do I consider War Greymon X to be an aggressive deck? Not really. It it's just a single stack blowout deck that doesn't make it aggressive. That just makes it hit hard when it hits. That's not aggression. That's just damage. Well, yeah, the the DPS, like, this is where Digimon be, is more unconventional in terms of, like, what do we define as midrange? What do we define as control? What do we define as aggro? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, like, kind of the beauty on what I love about Digimon is, like, what is that definition? We don't necessarily have the clearest cut, so we're just going to go with what makes more logical sense. So, in my perspective aggression does equates to damage so having a higher damage output means that you could close games faster which means that you are inadvertently more aggressive in terms of what you're capable of doing but regardless like i'm just hoping uh we're going to see some lugamon support and uh uh, hopefully Lugamon will play nicely with the other true x antibody digimon and uh yeah like that that's that's all I want at the end of the day because ever since the um digi convention which was borderline almost a complete waste of time um just because there was no announcements from it the only announcement that mattered was Lugamon is a new Digimon um like Lugi uh well L O O G A Luga uh and then Mon uh but he he is uh basically to describe him auditorily he's a dog digimon um he, he's a good fluffy wolf boy and uh not like actual boy but like he is an actual wolf uh and i love him very much so uh, on the furry scale he's a dog okay like he but, is a he is an actual more dog than person yeah 100 percent more dog than person okay then i'm okay with that yeah um but I know we went uh, a little extra over. This is to kind of make up for the fact that we weren't uh, there last week. Um, so I hope everyone enjoyed this extra rambling. Uh, and with that, uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. Goodbye.